street in code. You guys remember that? I mean, this is such a special place. Like, Toya's first Bible study was at a corner, like up in the cabins. You know what I'm saying? It was so special. I, I remember last night. Remember we used to have these, uh, you know, zombie runs? Like,
some reason, we, again, almost, we have never hear about culture in a positive way in the Kansas ministry. Yeah. Yeah. But every single group on the planet has a culture. Yeah. Every single group, every single family. So if we really are a family, through our brothers and sisters, we really that, and we also have a culture. The, the key is, even before we talk about what it is, you have a choice. You have a choice if you're going to celebrate our culture or if you're going to criticize our culture. It, it's actually your choice. It almost, as long as it's not simple, right? As long as it's not like not following Jesus, then, then it's actually your, you don't even need to know what it is to decide how you're going to react. And we, we did have a culture in my family. We had this running joke, and it was a way that we view the world. And it was this idea that it's your choice if you're going to be happy about it or not. And so we joke about it all the time. We joke, my dad would get ticked that he missed the red light. You know, you're coming up the red light, it's green, 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 and then red light hits and you're first in line, you know? And it's like one of those moments you get frustrated. My mom would go, hey, buddy, I'm glad that we're stuck at a red light. And then the response was, why are you glad we're stuck at a red light? Because whether I was glad or not, we'd still be stuck at red lights. <laughs> or I'm happy it's raining on the day we were supposed to get married, Harrison and Jackie, right? Because if I wasn't happy, we would still be raining on the day that we were getting married. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's this idea, it's your decision right. how you react to something. It's your decision, you actually control if you're going to be happy or not. You're going to control, you're, it's your choice to decide if you're going to celebrate or if you're going to criticize. And so as we're going through all these things, I think they're beautiful things. They're things to celebrate, but man, it's your choice if you're going to celebrate it or if you're going to criticize it. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, okay, so yesterday we talked about the why, and this was the why, right? And why, why do we do what we do in Alpha Omega? We believe in making an impact on our college campuses through the kingdom of Jesus. I mean, Nick did an incredible job leading our thoughts on that yesterday. But today, we're going to talk about our how. And we're talking about our how, we're talking about our culture. And so we're going to do the same thing. We're going to take a couple minutes, and I want you to think through, okay, not the what, the what we're going to talk about later this afternoon, the Bible space, it's the small groups. It's that, not the what, but we have our why. We're making an impact through the kingdom of Jesus. Now, what's the how? How do we, how do we, put the, how do, we do that, okay? How do we, how do we make an impact? Through the kingdom of Jesus. So take two minutes. And why don't you jot down some thoughts. We'll share about it. But just take two minutes. How do we make an impact on our campus. Through the kingdom of Jesus. Okay. Good. So what are some of the things you came up with? Yes. Alright cool. So a uh, couple of verses out of First uh, Peter 2 here. Uh, so he writes. Uh, lives, uh, this is First Peter 2 verse 12. Live such good lives among the pagans. That though they accuse you of doing wrong. They may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. See now in verse 15. For it is uh, God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom to cover up for evil, but live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Mm. Well, and it's within First and Second Peter, I think. Whoa, bro. You're just on it. Yeah. <laughs> 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 like having a driving force that can ground 
command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's this idea that people can see the way of Jesus mm -hmm. um, by just our, you know, being very in love with them, having an affection. Yeah.
the king, right? And so we're going to uncompromisingly follow King Jesus. That, that's where we're starting out. We're uncompromising following King Jesus. And similar to what Nick did yesterday, I'm going to do the same exact thing. Because Nick said before, before why, there's a who. But it's also the same thing true with how. Before how, there's who. Everything we do has to be centered on Christ. Everything we do has to be centered on Jesus. This is not, this is not Tom Brown's campus ministry. This is not Jordan Massey's campus ministry. This is not, this campus ministry is not a, actually about you guys. This is Jesus Christ's campus ministry. It, it's not about you, it's about Christ. Everything is centered on the one true king of our ministries, which is Jesus. Amen? So I want to go to a passage that, that illustrates this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let's go there together. And we sing, we do sing about this. I mean, we even started out the retreat. Do you remember the song that we sang, you know, before? What's the first line to the song? goes, the rock was solid. Stepped on, stepped on the rock. The rock was solid. Well, what's the first line? Now, you didn't all get it, but it's King Jesus Lord. It's King Jesus Lord. King, King, I, we need to just bring this into our culture more, right? We talk about lordship, but it's also kingship. You know what I'm saying? Where we go... Uh, but we talk about lordship too. We have a little bit slower type of song, right? Jesus is Lord. Yeah, you always heard the girls are gonna catch on the first line. Right? There's other songs that we say. We go, I have decided. So we we sing about it all the time. We sing about it all the time. But man, I don't know how much we actually talk about. Yeah, for Paul, he talks about it constantly. So much you'll see like words you hear in First Corinthians, I mean, sorry, Second Corinthians chapter 4. That's it. Yeah, Second Corinthians 4. Second Corinthians 4 and verse 1. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience inside of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers, so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And check this out in verse 5. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as what? Lord. Lord. And ourselves as were what? Servants. Servants. For your sake. For Christ, for, for Paul, man, this is just this is what he preached. Was that Jesus was Lord. And that, and that there was an expectation that people knew this. People knew it wasn't about him. And people knew it wasn't just about Christ, but it was about following Jesus as the Lord. And guys, the same, what is our culture of lordship? Our culture is we expect every member to have a personal conviction of lordship. Amen. We expect it. We, we, to be a member of our campus ministry is actually extremely rare. We all, a lot of us came out of ministries that talk about lordship here and there. The idea of, G, of following Jesus was present in some way, shape, or form. Right, right. But the expectation, right, right. the expectation that every member has a personal conviction to follow King Jesus, yeah. that's so unheard of. So unheard of, but that's a huge centerpiece of our culture. And so let's talk about these expectations. We 
expect everyone to have a personal conviction to follow Jesus, right? To follow King Jesus. We expect this. Well, what are some of the three? I, I just want to talk about three before we talk about some of the other things. The first one is we, what, is, what does it mean to, to follow King Jesus uncompromisingly? You're always going to be personally growing in Christ. You want to do whatever you can to, to put on the image of Christ. You want to do whatever you can to make every effort to add to your faith, goodness, and goodness, self-control, and all and so on. You're trying to grow. Yeah. If I were to propose, I want to propose a question to you guys, and I actually think it's the most important question you can ask yourself this semester. The question is, what is your personal growth plan? What is your personal growth plan? Because if you're not growing this semester, then you're not letting Christ affect you this semester. Right. And here's what usually stops us, is that we just assume we'll grow. Right. There's this assumption that, you know what, if I'm in the campus ministry and I'm reading my Bible here and there and I'm saying some good prayers, I'm just going to grow. And we, we just make this assumption that it's going to happen. When growth never happens and it's not intentional. Yeah. It never happens. Lordship never. Following Jesus is so not our nature. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. Maybe I just woke up in the morning, boom, today I'm just randomly going to follow Jesus. It takes so much intentionality. Yeah. That's why most of us have the same Bible for months and after building our faith for years to learn how to follow. I mean, it has to be. How are you going to grow this semester? Don't just let it be willy-nilly like it's randomly going to happen. But really think it through. Yeah. Really think through, man, what am I going to study at? Yeah. Who am I really going to look at and see something that I'm going to try to follow? Yeah. Well, what are the different things online or podcasts or different different questionnaires and streets? We just push myself to grow. So if we're not growing as a campus ministry, I don't know if we're a Christ-centered campus ministry. Mm -hmm. Every person in the Bible that was following Christ grew. It didn't stay the same. And so, even before we talk about us growing in number, you personally, in your maturity, would be like Christ. You need to grow. Amen? Amen. The second one is devotion. It's that you have a devotion to Christ. We, we, have a, we have an expectation in our culture that school is not first. Dating relationships is not first. Sports are not first. But Jesus is first. And we believe that because we believe that he, he's the way, right? Well, I, I, we don't, we're not going to go there, but Jesus is the way, the what? The truth and the And if you put them all together, then Jesus is the true way of life. And we believe that. And so we, while the world says that sports will bring you true way of life, relationships will bring you true way, we believe Jesus is the only way. We expect that in our culture. Yeah. And the last one's purity. Man, how jacked up is the world's version of I mean, it's just gross. It's disgusting. So many of us ran from the ugliness of the world because we were personally burned by it. You know what I'm saying? And so as a culture, we, we have a strong culture in following Jesus that purity is central. It's so central. And it's beautiful. Aren't you happy that the world's way of purity isn't true in the campus ministry? That what the world says about impurity and immorality, you ain't have to think about that in the campus ministry. That you can go on a date and not worry about the God, girls, not worry about the God trying to get in your pants. When's the last time you thought that was going to happen on an encouragement date? That, that's unheard of in the world. You know what I'm saying? If you want to date with a guy in the world, you're like, is it going to happen now? Is it going to You know what I mean? And whether you want it to happen or don't happen, you always know at some point there's going to be a move. You know what I'm saying? 
if a guy in, in, the, in the fellowship, if a guy in the fellowship is sitting down and playing with you, if guys in the fellowship are sitting down and, and they put their arm around you like this because they're, they're listening, you, you might think it's awkward, but you never think you're trying to say that. You know what I'm saying? It's just the purity is so different. It's so different. It's beautiful. It's incredible. It brings so much freedom. Yet, for some kind of reason, purity can be the part of our culture that gets like slandered the most. Yeah. Yeah. Why do we do that? Why, why do we have boundaries? Why do we have, why are dating relationships like that? Yeah. And for some reason, this beautiful piece of the DNA of Christ-centered culture can be talked down about. Right. Why do we talk about purity so much? But when people say that, I almost want to go, oh, oh, why do we talk about purity so much? Have you read your Bible? I mean, are you kidding me? Daniel wrote entire songs about purity. Nehemiah ripped out people's beards because they were impure. Hey, baby, it's sad to get a girl that would be immoral. Like, it's just all over the stupid Bible. Like, it's just there. It's all over the place. Man, man, okay. I actually think compared to the Old Testament world, we're pretty light on purity. I've never brought out a spear. Dude, next time I see you touching yourself, I'm stabbing. Just like, And we strive for that. We, we know perfection is only in Christ that we're growing in that, right? We're progressing in that. But also, we, we, we are pure in our, in our, our, our relationships. Whether it's guy-girl friendships or guy-girl relationships, we're pure. And they look different. And we have boundaries. And that is beautiful. And that is part of our culture. Why? It's not because of something we've decided. It's because of the who. It's because of the way that Christ-like lined out. For purity. Amen? So with all this, with all this, um, I do want to go to another passage in, in Mark 11. And, and Jeff went over this yesterday. And honestly, 20, 20 hours preparing for this lesson, 20 hours come up here in a second. I wasn't very inspired, to be honest with you guys. For what, I'm usually like a very easily inspired person. Like, if, if somebody just is really excited about something... I usually get really excited about it. Like, I'm just so easily inspired, naturally. I was not feeling inspired about this, about this talk. And I wasn't really connecting with very many scriptures. I felt like I was trying to put in the, the, the ideas into passages instead of pulling it out of the passage, all this kind of stuff. When Jeff was talking about this yesterday, I suddenly, like, everything switched in my mind. I was like, yes. Like, this is exactly what I want to get across. And I was so fired up about it. So we're talking about the same scripture again. How about that? Mark 11. Jesus won't reach in Jerusalem. Okay, that's actually the title. That's not part of the verse. Okay. Jesus, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling them. He overturned the tables of the money changers and benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise to the temple courts. And he taught them and he said, It is not written, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. But you have made it a dinner of robbers. You guys remember Jeff talking about this yesterday? Yeah. And, and my notes are so powerful what he was talking about. But the intensity that he must have had, right? I mean, and he talked about with his kids or whatever. When was the last time in the student center someone confessed sin to you and you flipped over the table? Just out of pure indignation. Like, the, the incredible is yet in the way that, I love how Jeff painted it, but he did not sin. But it was a pure, righteous, how could you do that to my God? It was a Phineas with God saying, Phineas had zeal. Phineas killed two people and it wasn't sin. 
Because God said, yes, zeal for my honor. Where it was just incredible righteous indignation. What is Jesus doing here, though? He's guarding the culture. He's guarding the culture. And Jephthah brought us to Jeremiah 7. Let's go there real quick. Jeremiah 7. And he was guarding something. And as we go through culture, I, I want to start talking about this with you guys. Is not just what is our culture and what is our how and what is our DNA, but how do you guard it? Because leaders are the, just like Jesus was the guardian of the culture of the temple, the leaders of the Alpha Man Campus ministry are the guardian of the culture of Christ's ministry. So in Jeremiah chapter 7, right verse 1, so this is what the Lord, what the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord said. Stand at the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim this message. I love what Jeff was saying yesterday out in front of the river. You just imagine shouting these things just in the middle of the student center and not, hey, do you guys want to come to Bible talk? Hey, guys, I want to denounce all of your shit. You know, just intensity. Um, he goes, hear the, hear the word of the Lord, all you people of Judah who come through the gates to worship the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Reform your ways and your actions, and I will let you live in peace. Do not trust in deceptive words and say, this is the temple of the Lord, the, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. Well, I've been a Christian all my life. I've been a Christian all my life. I remember praying Jesus in my heart. My parents are Christian. I've always heard We hear all these things. If you really change your ways and your actions and deal with them, each other justly, if you do not oppress the foreigner, the fatherless, or the widow, and do not shed innocent blood at this place, and if you do not follow other gods to your own harm, then I'll let you live in this place, in the land I gave your ancestors forever and ever. But look, you are trusting in deceptive words that are worthless. Sounds like he's talking about lordship right here. Mm-hmm. Stop following what the world says and start following God, right? He's talking about this idea of, of God or Jesus King. In verse 9, will you steal and murder, commit adultery and perjury, burn incense to Baal, and follow other gods you have not known? And then come and stand before me in this house, which bears my name, and say, we are safe. Safe to do all these testable things. Has this house, which bears my name, become a den of robbers to you? But I have been watching, declares the Lord. And Jesus, I love what Jeff saying yesterday. Jesus, when he said he taught them, we have this passage, but we, we assume that there is more to it, right? And he told the disciples after, just go to that verse. Let me remind you what I was really trying to guard right here. And, and it's all about this idea of lordship. Guys, the key is when we're sharing, our, when we're in Bible studies, we, we hear all these excuses of why someone is okay with God. The truth is the same thing that happened to Jesus. Yeah. I've been baptized. I'm an, I'm an Alpha Omega. I go to Bible talk. I share my faith. And we can use all the what's, all the what's, to talk about why we're okay with God instead of really talking about we're following King Jesus or not. Yeah. Guys, Jesus guarded the culture. He guarded it. How much do you guard our culture? I think a lot of people in here, you believe in the culture. You believe in what we do and why we do it. But there can be a hesitancy to guard it. Jesus wasn't just hesitant, wasn't just willing to go there. He just wanted to flip over tables and cause an entire ruckus and cause an entire scene just to protect the lordship of Christ in the temple. Man, you, are you willing to protect the worship of Christ in our kingdom's ministry? It's so, so important. And if Jesus is the king, then I want to call you to be the knights. Yeah. Right? You're, you're, you're the king's knights. 
You're the nicest around the table. You're, you're the serves, you know what I mean? So you, you would say, Sir Blake, you know what I mean? Instead of Sir Lancelot, right? What's the girl version of Sir? It's Sir. It's Sir Anne. It's really not about you, it's really not about me. 
you're talking to to bring it down to a passage or a person. And that lets you wrestle with the actual issue. Instead of just being irritated that you can't, I don't know, go on a date every night. You know what? Is there a passage or is there a person that you feel weird about? Like, let's keep it simple because no one's going to grow if we're just talking about these ambiguous conversations. Um, but it's also good for, that's, you know, it's healthy to have a passage and a person for when you're wrestling with something. But I also think it's good to have a passage and a person when you're doing something well. You have a young person. I remember doing this with Maggie. Where's Maggie? Sharing her faith, 35 seconds, all this stuff. And I was like, Maggie, slow down. Like, slow down, Maggie. Like, maybe not being honest, you know why you're doing what you're doing. You know, you know, like, because it's easy to get caught in the current. Like, what? This is exciting. It's really fun. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's awesome with a good heart. But that wouldn't have helped her last long term yeah. if all she was doing was following the current. You know, and so even with a good heart, Maggie, that's awesome. I'm so proud of you. What's the scripture that's inspiring you to do this? You know what I mean? What's a passage that you're holding on to that's been like, Get you out there and they don't want to be studying. And she's like, I don't know. Okay, fine one. You know what I mean? I, I think we're good. It's a good job. But I think it's, it's encouraging to have this conversation not just in hard talks, but also in good talks. You know what I mean? And it'd be a good thing. Like, what's the scripture that's encouraging you to be so pure? What's the passage that's encouraging you to, what's the one's example that's encouraging you? And I think a good way to think about it is, you know, the, the nation is this kind of concept, but the nation of Israel was chosen to show the world that God was truth, right? They were supposed to be drastically different. And so if they were supposed to be drastically different, whatever the world was was normal, they were supposed to be a huge gap. I think in some of these areas in the religious world, especially in the South, where it comes to your personal conviction, your devotion to church, or, you know, not church, to Jesus over sports, over your relationship, over all these things, and it's in the your purity of God. You know, like, the world is, like, down <laughs> like the world doesn't even have the same, you know? And so for us, our culture needs to be drastically, we can't kind of let the world. Mm-hmm. And I think it's scary if we want to. Yeah. I think it's scary if we want to kind of be let the world, right. you know? Yeah. And so I think even praying to not just like look different, but to want to look different. Mm-hmm. We want to be drastically different from the world. And so a way that I think about it is be it, teach it, expect it. I first have to be it. I first have to bathe myself in conviction and knowledge of the scripture and humility and purity. That has to be my first and foremost. I can't go anywhere else if I am not it. So I have to be it. Then I have to teach it. I think sometimes we can kind of challenge people that we haven't done a good job teaching it to. And so if you've been, you become a disciple at 19 years old, you've been living your life for 19 years, it's going to take a second for you to really let Jesus be Lord. Right. Teach people how to be Lord. And then accept it. Like once you have taught it, expect it. And the way that I expect it, some good questions, is like, what would it be, what would a blank response be to this situation? What would be a biblical response to this situation? What would be a faithful response? What would be a humble response, a trusting response, a loving response, or a mature response? And I think that de-escalates situations where people are feeling weird, or are acting out, or are about to be in sin, or whatever. Okay, cool. Thanks for sharing that. What would be a humble response to that? And I think even having some conversations like that,
you're saying? He goes, no. I was like, what? What do you mean? He's like, I do not live in the Bible with me. Dude, what are you talking about? Like, we've always told you, he a lot of way to the Bible with you. This is literally his response. I'll never forget it. He goes, Jordan, because whenever you open up the Bible, I believe what you say. <laughs> and I was like, what? Is that it? You're so against me that you're not even willing to follow the Bible. And I think that's what can get our issue in, is that we get funky with each other in the culture, that we forget the whole reason that the culture is there is because the scriptures. Yeah. Yeah. We gotta make it on the Bible. And guys, I, I mean, I wanna challenge you as leaders. Jesus didn't play games, taught, he didn't allow people to talk again about his God in a negative way. Yeah. He didn't allow people to mess up the temple culture in a negative way. I think we let too many people bad talk. The Holy Spirit is not the temple anymore, guys. It lives in the church. It lives in the people. It lives in the disciples. We allow way too much bad talk about the, the body of Christ. Yeah. And we, not that we shouldn't let people air their grievances, but there better be a, hey, bro, let me, you, you know Christ died for those people, right? Yeah. You know Christ's blood is so through those people who are talking. Maybe. You just, I, I get your... You're, you're letting your feelings out, man. But there better be some kind of, but I know that I'm kind of being funky right now. Yeah. Because you can't say that about me because this is the bride of Christ we're talking about. Yeah. Just like you better not talk bad about my wife. Better not talk bad about my church. Yeah. And not in an arrogant way, but in a, because this is Christ's church. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. We're going to fly through some of these next ones. So the next one is faith-filled, okay? So we, we, live, we, we made an impact on our campus. By following King Jesus in a faith-filled community. It's faith-filled. It's faith-filled. We're going to look at this in Hebrews 11. Let's go over there real quick. Okay. Hebrews 11. You guys following? Yeah. Hebrews 11. Now, I could read the whole chapter. We're not. He said all. We're just the whole book of Hebrews. Alright, Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were committed for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. Faith is confidence in what we do not see. It's all centered on God. When you're in the world, what did you base your success off of? Your schedule. Who you knew, how much money you have, the way that you look, the you know what I'm saying? All these kind of things. Our faith doesn't say our, our success is based off of those things, it's based off of who we know and young. And then he goes in verse 4: by faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Canaan. By faith, he was committed as righteous. Verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken from this line, so that he did not experience death. In verse 6, and without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he is rewarded. He rewards those who are to seek him. By faith, no one. When we're about these things, not yet seen, and holy fear built an ark to save his family. Verse 8, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he, never, uh, he would later receive his inheritance, obeyed and went. Uh, verse 17, by what? Faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as their sacrifice. Verse 20. By faith. Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau regarding the future. Verse 21. By faith. Jacob, some of you guys aren't falling. You just got out the word now. <laughs> By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of his uh, Joseph's sons. Verse 22. By faith. 
Joseph, when, he, when, uh, when his end was near, spoke about the exit of the Israelites from Egypt. Verse 23, by Amen. Moses' parents hid him. Verse 24, by Amen. Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And verse 29, by Amen. the people passed through the Red Sea on dry land. And then in verse, verse 52, by Amen. it's not your So we're talking about community. 
King Jesus by a faith-filled community. Right? A faith-filled community. And in 1 Peter 4, in verse 7, it says, The end of all things is near. Therefore be alert and a sober mind, so that you may pray. And out of everything else you've heard, about all the different scriptures you've read, about everything that you've prayed for and connected with, he says in verse 8, above all. Above everything else. Above all, love. Love each other deeply. Because love covers a multitude of sins. What's love got to do, got to do with it? Everything. It's above all. It's not offer hospitality. Uh, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Man, love one another deeply. What? How important is love? It covers a multitude of sins. What does that even mean? What? Love? What? You know what I'm saying? Love covers a multitude of sins. I know what that doesn't mean, okay? You, you can guess what that doesn't mean. That doesn't mean, dude, I sinned up way last night, but I really love the body, so I'm good, right? Or I really love that guy, so we went and did it last night. We went and did it last night. So, but I love each other, but we love each other, so it's fine. Right? That's not what it means, right? Like, it's, that's not what it means. You know what it doesn't mean? So it doesn't mean. I was asking Nick this, and give me a really good example. I appreciate it. He said, he said, this is what I think that means. But love covers a multitude of sins. It's like back in the Holocaust, when, when the Germans were going out and killing all the Jews. And you decided to hide Jews in your house. And you hid them, and then the Germans show up. Do you have Jews here? And you lied. And you said, no. And that's a sin. But, it, but the Jews were saved because of that. But love always protects. So love would cover that sin. Because it was all in the sake of love that you, that you sin in life. Does that make sense? Or it's in the sense of it's in the sense of when you're having a conversation with somebody and you're really trying to help them and you really care about them and you really love them, but you say something just that, that maybe you don't say it in quite the most sensitive way. Not that you weren't trying to be sensitive, but you're 18 to 22 year old and you you don't you don't have a, a, a college degree in psychology. You know what I'm saying? You're not a professional counselor, so we're never gonna say everything the right way. And it tweaks them, right? And maybe it was insensitive. Maybe it was a little selfish. Maybe it was a little prideful. But it was all done in love. So love covers a multitude of sins. It's not, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deliberately go try to sin, but I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say I'm love so I get a free ticket. But there's, what a powerful, beautiful thing love is that it covers a multitude of sins. Why? Because in 1 John 4, it says God is what? God is love. So when you love somebody, you've got somebody. And you bring God into that situation. That's what community is all about. You know the truth is, guys, that this world is desperate for community. It's desperate for that kind of love. It's desperate for it, man. All these rich and famous people, man, come out with suicides and heavy on drugs. and Man, they're just desperate for deep love. They're stuck in the shallow. They're desperate for what you have and the love you have. You know, for me, whenever uh, there, there's there's a certain type of person that I really wanted to be like in the world. And I was very rich. I was a very successful businessman. Uh, I had the cleanest clothes, the nicest car. Like, 
you know, kind of the whole playboy type of thing. And every once in a while, we'll watch a movie where that character is the main character. And honestly, I get really tempted. I get really tempted. And I, and I start yearning for that. Because I build my whole life surrounding that. We all have something like that. You know what I'm saying? And I start yearning for it. And I, I get a little funky and stuff like that. And usually when I walk out, you know what's going through on in my mind in a conversation where I'm with some friends or a toy or whatever? I, I, I always come back to, man, that dude is so lonely, though. He doesn't have the relationships I have. It, it's a fake character. You know, but that fake character is real. Look, he would, he would want the relationships I have right now. He would want the depth. He would give it all up because they realize what's really matters most in life. The world is desperate for this community. Because we know that. We're ever expanding. Right. We're trying to bring people in to that community. Right. You know, in Ephesians 4, it says, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirits. Make every effort, man. Every effort. You know one of the things that hurts our, our culture the most? Is when people put things above unity. Because yeah. the truth is, guys, unity is more important than most things. Because yeah. unity takes love. And love is more important than almost every, Well, the Bible says above all. It's more important than anything. So unity is more important than getting your way. Yep. Unity is more important than being right. I've heard so many times me and my buddy and me and my roommate are in this argument because he just won't see this. And you're arguing about the stupidest thing. Mm-hmm. Like, who cares if you don't get your way? Christ's way is more important than yours anyway. Just be united. Yeah. Unity is more important than your feelings. How often is it our feelings get hurt and they make us funky with somebody? Yeah. Yeah. Feelings get hurt and makes us funky with somebody. Man, how many times did Jesus' feelings get hurt for you, and yet he kept on fighting for unity? Unity is more important than your individuality. Man, we live in an individualistic, independent culture. So Christ's culture and the ministry needs to look different than that. And we come in, I, want, I need everyone to know how different I am. It's almost like I, I actually agree and believe what's being said, but I need to be independent, so I need to twist it so it's mine. And there's this rebellious nature that we grow up in. Unity is more important than that. You know, actually, most passages we read, the way it's written, like in the Eastern worldview, is all uh, communal. Almost none of the passages we read are actually made for one person. But we're taught to read all of them as individuals because of our society. When in reality, us us collective is so much more important than you individually. But but the USA would never say that. So in Christ's ministry, our culture needs to say that's not true. Yeah. Unity is more important. Mm-hmm. How about this? Unity is more important than your comfortability. Mm-hmm. Unity is more important than your comfortability. One of the, one of the, one of the um, hindrances, obstacles, threats, one of the threats, let me say, one, one of the threats of the campus ministry right now in our size is that we're now currently big enough where you can find people that are like you mm-hmm. and be their friends. And they would have been your friends in the world because they're like you and they like your interests. And now in the ministry, you, you're not pushed out of your comfort zone anymore because there's enough people where you can find people that you would have been best friends with in the world too. You know, when I got back, there's just three people I was going to right? And you know, you know what they were? They, I love sports. I love doing illegal things. I love going to adventures. I love smoking weed, going to parties, all that kind of stuff. But the disciples didn't do that. And I, I was 
like you. And what it's done is it's made you care more about your comfortability than being united with people. Yeah. Love covers most Love cover also covers uncomfortability. You know, I don't know if that's Jamal on this. Where's Jamal?
into our discipleship. Mm-hmm. Um, and even, and honestly, it can hurt our relationships with each other because there's some of the ministry that, in your mind, you've made your sister. There's some of the ministry that, in your mind, you've made your little brother. There's some of the ministry that you've made your mom or you've made your dad. You know, I was even talking to someone recently about how, for me as a new mom, I'm going to start having to make decisions that are more about my child. So I might have to cancel with you so that I could go be a great mom because that is my first priority, right? But I'm going to have to be my woman to think when the toy cancels me, it doesn't mean you know, when my sister would cancel me, she means she didn't love me or my mom cancels me. It means like I'm not important so when the toy cancels with me, it means that she doesn't believe in me. Um, no, when the toy cancels, it means I'm trying to be a good mom. You know, it has nothing to do with you. And so I think it's even learning with the people who disciple us, with leaders, with each other, with the people that we disciple, if you, you, you know, encourage someone you're deciding to do something and they don't do it, they're not your little brother who disrespects you. Mm-hmm. It's just a lot of decisions, you know. So I think even trying to figure out how not to bring the old into the new. And when you do, just talk about it. That's bound to happen. We're bound to have those feelings. But just learning to deal with it in a way that's healthy. But also submitting ourselves to being transformed by the Spirit. If you are that person who's not really, like, talkative in your family, no one really, you know, no one really listens to you, it's okay to pray for God to make you the person in the ministry that speaks up. Because that's the power of the Spirit. It transforms you. It changes who you are. And I would say pray for a fresh start. Pray for God to show you, like, yeah, in your family, in your family, this is who you are. But in my family, this is who I'm making you. You know, a name change, an identity change, and trans- like, let the Spirit transform you. I personally think it's an honor to be a part of the body of Christ. Yeah. It is like, I do not deserve to be here. I do not deserve to Church, you know, like I know that for sure. And I think Acts 20, verse 28, um, read it real quickly. It's one of those churches that really shares that part that um that if you can keep us humble, it says keep watch over yourselves in the flock of, of the, which the Holy Spirit has made overseers, the shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. Mm-hmm. Um, we were people who were bought with the blood of Christ, and we are valuable, the people that we need are valuable, and so I think in terms of
if there was fractals on an like, ever-expanding community, what would it look like? Just deep relationships that we talked about, diversity amongst interests, amongst races, all this kind of thing. Daily, daily, we believe community takes daily encouragement, right? Hebrews 3.13, encourage one another. Encourage one another. Daily. Daily, right? Well, why do we hang out so much? Because we believe in that passage, right? And then sharing the love of Christ with others to bring them into it. Why do we share our faith and get in so many Bible studies? Well, because we believe that to make an impact on our campus, we're going to follow Jesus in a faithful community. And that people want that. That it's ever-expanding to bring people into it. Everything has to come back to our how, and everything has to come back to our why. Guys, the how of Alpha Omega, what's the how? Is we make an impact on our campuses by following King Jesus.